This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. KMOX is at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Now, here's your host, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, welcome and thanks for stopping by. We'll be taking the good gardening stroll shortly, but before Mr. Kelly gets out of here, hey, man, what's that hat you got? <laughs> I Every threw you another you got a different hat. I know. Well, I went shopping yesterday at the PGA store. Whoa. And uh, this, this is what I'm going to wear for the tournament. See? Ah, why'd you get gray? I don't know. I was in a gray mood yesterday. I bought a shirt, and it's gray, and I bought the hat. I don't Even know. Even though you I were thinking about Christopher Robin, you were thinking gray? Yeah, I don't know why. I just like the way it looks. And look, it has a ball marker on it, too. Is that what that thing yeah, is on the, the side? Yeah, ball marker. Yeah, right, right there. It's a little magnet. It's kind of cool. Magnet? Yeah, so see the magnet holds it on there? Whoa. So when you, when you, when you, when I hit my, uh, my eight iron from 230 yards and land it right next to the pin, <clears throat> I'll wake up from my dream. No, and then I can use this to mark the ball. So is that shirt also PGA stuff? No, this is family reunion stuff. Family reunion. Yeah. It looks very professional. Yeah. Here, let me show you my socks. <laughs> just, just kidding. Just kidding. Well, thanks for the tour of the store. <laughs> You're welcome. I still can't believe you bought gray. It just doesn't look, you don't look like a gray kind of really? person. Really? I don't know why. I, I told Sue, I said, you know, we're going to come back during the tournament. I'll buy blue. I don't yeah. know why. I just thought the gray looked good. All right. You do look good in gray. Well, thank you. Gray I better because <laughs> I'm getting there. <laughs> I'm already there. I've been there I for can tell, a yeah. long time. All right, folks, questions, concerns, or comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We get together every Saturday morning, unless I'm out of town or unless KMWorks finally says, we're cutting that guy off, to discuss your yard, landscape, garden, house plants, potting mixes, soil improvement, pruning, bugs, diseases, plant removals, plant installation, but please remember my words, open opportunities. After that, it's going to take physical and mental effort on your part in this great marathon called gardening. And by the way, this is your show, and I certainly appreciate you being here. And thanks to Greg and Zach. They're producing today. Again, the Garden Hotline is a very difficult show. So, so often it takes two producers to make this thing work. It's because I'm insane. Anyway, I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994. Woo! I've written five gardening books. Two are currently available at various locations. And I write articles for the Missouri Gardener magazine. During the week, I do landscape consulting. If you'd like for me to come over to your home and do a walk and talk, you can go to my website, www.mikemillerdesigns.com. The homepage, there's an email address and phone number. And today, after the show, I'm headed out to Burns Mill, which is out off Gravoy. And a good gardening stroll. It's brought to you by St. Louis Composting. 636-861-3344. Established. 1875. I pulled over and the park sign said, 
Lyle House, this direction, tennis courts, this direction, pavilions, this direction. And uh, I started heading towards the boats. Boats, no, there was no boats. But a few early morning fishermen were heading down the steps to the pier. Bald cypress were waving in the breeze. Magical mid-lake fountain, wow. Fantastic sound and visuals. Birds were sweeping overhead, singing out. A morning dove was on the sidewalk. And rather than flying, it said, that guy, meaning me, is not walking all that fast, so I can walk faster than him. So I'll just walk and stay ahead of him. A robin was checking out the grass for food. This is the boathouse at Carondelet Park. And wow, the architecture is just picture perfect. It beckons days of old. The fountain planting, uh, the foundation planting rather, includes boxwood, viburnums, blooming hardy hibiscus, Daylilies with spent flower stalks, and adjacent to the steps going up into the boathouse, guess what? Oak leaf hydrangea. Texture perfect. Maple trees, they align this alley that heads up to the tor- towards the street. That's where the flagpole is. And a quarter moon right above the flagpole really highlighted the sky of blue. The south sky, well, I'll tell you what. It just looked very, very nice. It was a nice morning. And as I headed up towards the street, a gang of six lime bikes say, take me for a ride. Looking back towards the arch boathouse, I could see the fountain was right in between. I mean, it was a picture-perfect, picture-perfect picture. So fantastic. And I'd love to stay and spend the day, but it's time to go because I have a radio show. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages depend on kmox when news breaks news on the hour 24 hours a day with bulletins at any time on news radio 1120 kmox i'm good but i have a story and i don't know where to start when the veteran in your life says i'm good are they really i'm really not so good are you ready to listen suicide prevention is everyone's responsibility listen to the veteran or service member in your life Learn more at VeteransCrisisLine.net. I'm Bob McCullough. My primary responsibility as prosecutor is to target violent criminals and protect the public. And that's working. The crime rate hasn't been this low since the early 70s. But we also lead the state in providing programs and treatment for at-risk youth, veterans, and those suffering from mental health issues or drug addiction. Our treatment courts are among the most successful in the state. And by addressing violence, drug addiction, and mental health, we will continue to reduce crime and return productive people to our community. Paid for by McCullough. For County Prosecutor Committee, Irene Yu, Treasurer. I was at a house this past week for a walk and talk, and it was in Ellisville, you know, where I came from. Well, before that, I actually lived in the city by the Botanical Garden, but my parents moved to Ellisville in 55. But anyway, Ellisville was where I was, and the homeowner that I was talking with, she said she was gone one day, and she came back, and the landscape contractor had put black mulch down. She didn't like black mulch. St. Louis Composting does offer all kinds of dyed mulches. They have dark walnut brown, sunburst red, and a magic black. But if you don't want some color, you don't have to get a colored mulch at all. They also have oak bark mulch, natural mulch, forest forest fines, 
and uh, all kinds of different ones as well. So why don't you head out to St. Louis Composting and see all the different kinds of mulches they have. And don't be surprised when you're gone and a landscape contractor all of a sudden brings mulch and you go, I don't like that. So St. Louis Composting has locations all over the metro area. East side, that's going to be in Belleville. Valley Park, that's a headquarters. Pacific, yes, there's one down there as well. North County, yes. City of St. Louis, yes. And Maryland Heights, yes. So 314, no, 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 not 314. They're way out there in Pacific and also Valley Park. 636-861-3344. www.stlcompost.com. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with your host, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, questions, comments, or concerns, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We're going to start off in West County and go into Carol's yard. Carol, how are you today? I'm just fine. I, I have two questions for you. The first one is about those surprise lilies. Mm-hmm. Mine are coming up, and I was wondering, um, can they be separated, and when's a good time? Well, you don't need to separate them. Why would you want to separate them? Well, I just thought maybe I'd like some more in another place. Well, you can do that. It is a bulb. You know the foliage comes up in the springtime. Then the foliage dies when the weather gets hot, and then it shoots up those flower you know, stalks with the pink flowers this time of year. So rather than trying to dig them up and separate them, personally what I would do is just head to your favorite garden center. You probably have to get them next spring and just buy them at, you know, do that as opposed to digging them up and dividing. If you wanted to do it, you can wait until the flower's finished, then go out, dig them up, and then just make sure that the bulbs, you know, usually it's one stalk is one bulb. So you're just going to be basically digging up one bulb and moving it to a different location. So it's not like okay. they're iris or anything that you can actually pop them apart or cannas. So it's a, just a single bulb, kind of like a tulip bulb. Okay. Uh, my other question is about a trident maple. We had a trident maple planted about three months ago. And the fellow who planted it says you have to be real patient with it, and eventually it's a beautiful tree. Now, um, I know it's not dead because the, the leaves are still green, but they're kind of droopy. Could we put fertilizer bikes around that or would that be a good thing to do that would not be a good thing to do the reason why it's droopy is because the root system is not established enough to uptake enough moisture to keep the foliage you know rigid so what you should do is just if we get another dry spell which it looks like we're into is run a hose out there and lay it at the base a few inches from the trunk and run it for about a half hour, 45 minutes, and do that, uh, you, know, you know, once a week or so. So what you're okay. trying to do is just hydrate the root system. Actually, I have a hose at the base of it right now, putting you're, some water on it. You're very so. smart. <laughs> well, I've been trying to make sure that it stays alive. Now, right. what about that trident maple? Is that a good tree? Uh, it's a little bit iffy with our weather. So it's, you know, it takes a long time to get established, like you were told. And uh, it's, like I said, it's just, you, you don't see them all that common because they are a little bit tough. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm hoping it, he said it's really beautiful when it, you know, eventually grows. But, right. Eventually. So. <laughs> all right. 
Great. Okay, I'll be patient. Okay, yeah, because it may take a couple years. No, I mean, it's going to take at least one full year before the root system starts, you know, let's say growing out into your landscape. Hopefully you plant it at high. So in other words, the top of the root ball is above the surrounding ground. So there's not a, you know, a depression there where water could uh-huh. sit. Because that's really a major problem. I've seen several trees that were planted recently that were planted kind of at grade, and they sunk as there was some settling, and then water sat there. And then, you know, this one lady told me she's had three dogwoods put in there, and they all died. And I said, well, tell the person who's planting it to make sure the top 20% of the root ball is above the surrounding ground. Okay. All righty. Well, thank you for your information. Well, thanks, Carol. And thanks to Carol, and I'm going to remind folks, uh, we get a lot of calls, and consequently, we're going to have to limit everybody to two questions, because we've had a couple people in the last couple weeks, which is fine. I mean, I see how long they sat online and, you know, waiting and waiting and waiting with their phone, and, you know, multiple questions sometimes becomes problematic for the people that, you know don't get a chance to get their questions answered. I think last week the show closed with about five people waiting. Marianne in South County, how are you today? I'm fine, Mike. How are you? Very good. I just have a quick question. Where are the hummingbirds these days? Well, <laughs> I'll tell you where they are. They're in my yard. <laughs> they're, prob- they're not in mine. <laughs> one. I've one seen- hummingbird. You know, the other day I was out in the front yard. One came by and checked me out. I guess they thought I looked like a flower because of my curly hair. I don't know what it was. But then yesterday or the other day I was sitting, I guess it was on Wednesday. And then I have a hyacinth bean vines and they have those spectacular, you know, they're in the pea family, purple flowers. And man, this hummingbird came along and he was checking them all out. But he decided... You know, he didn't want any of the pollen or if there was any. So in the last, you know, in the last week I've seen two. And now they're migrating towards the south. So this is basically about the month where we're going to see them. Then after that, that's going to be pretty much it. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we have the red liquid, you know, in the container. And I've seen one that went up to one of my marigolds. And that was it. Right. You know. So I don't know what I'm doing wrong. You're not doing anything wrong. It's just, I mean, they don't have, let's say, a set route that they're going to go. Right. So it's just by chance that they come by. I mean, there's lots of them that do migrate, but still, the chances of them showing up in your yard is still very, very minimal. Oh, okay. They're just in your your yard, huh? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And I sell tickets for anybody that wants to come and look at them. Well, this sends them to my way, but thank you very much. I appreciate it. Certainly. Have a good day. You do the very same thing. And if 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Suzanne in St. Louis, how are you? Good. Uh, I have a palm, and I've had it a couple of years. It looked great when it was new. Now it's getting yellow leaves kind of tinged with copper and I suspect that uh, it wants some kind of special food. Do palms like a certain kind of food or soil? Uh, basically, they just have to be well-drained. That's the prominent okay. thing. So potting mix, gotcha. not potting soil. And fertilizing, okay. just normal fertilizing. Now, understand, though, are the, you know, the leaves that you're seeing discolor, are they the older, old leaves you know, lower on the plant? Yeah. That's just an aging process. 
Oh, gotcha. Okay. So as long as the tall, Um, longest fronds are still green, then you're doing everything okay. Okay. Uh, When you say a well-drained mix, um, potting mix, would a soil uh, that says for cacti? That would be fine. Or just, Fine. you know, okay. anything that's not a potting soil. It has to be a okay. potting mix because that has all the things that help with the drainage. Gotcha. Okay. Thank you. Yep. Bye. And, well, thanks, Suzanne. And uh, anybody questions, concerns, or comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. If you happen to go to my website, you can see I've updated for August the website. So this is a perfect time to take soil samples. So you can get the soil samples. If you don't know how to take them or what to do, what you can do is just call the University of Missouri Extension Department. I think they even have a kit that they can send you. Maybe not. Maybe I'm wrong about that. But they will tell you or you can go online about taking a soil sample. And why do you want to take a soil sample? Because many of the problems that people are having with plant materials is related to their soil. Soil pH an abundance of certain nutrients like phosphorus and potassium, a lack of other ones. So that's the soil is really the key to self, you know, to successful plants and gardens and anything, whether it's lawn or a tree. Soil is key. It is essential. A good nutritious soil has to happen. So get a soil test done, find out what's going on. Lynn lives in Troy, Illinois. Hi Lynn. Yes, I was calling. I had a question about when to put down pre-emergent for winter weeds. Basically, what you're doing is it might be a little bit early, so I would probably wait until about mid-month and then put it down at that time. Now, you realize that you can't put any grass seed down as a result of this. Correct. Okay. So, yeah. So, you know, for the winter weeds, this is exactly the time of year when you should think about it. And people say, well, what are winter weeds? They're cool season weeds. They're henbit. They're common chickweed, annual bluegrasses, prickly lettuce, rabbit's foot clover, you know, shepherd's purse, all those kind of things. So what you're doing is if you've had them historically in your landscape or in your lawn, the pre-emergent, when the seeds start germinating, that kills them off. Okay. Thank you. Yep. And now let's go to Ted, and Ted lives in Fenton. Hey, Mike. Hi. Hi. Um, I've got some bulbs apparently from the previous owner of the home that are coming up now. I don't know what kind of flowers they are. They're the tall green stalks with the flower at the very top. What What are those right now that are blooming? What color are the flowers? White. Hmm. That's a little They're tough. real tall. They're like... They're like a foot and a half tall, the stalk, and it just goes straight up, and then there's a flower at the top. I'm and pretty sure they're white. And there's no no foliage? No. So basically what you have is something called surprise lily. The flower is actually pink, unless you've got some okay. kind of rare hybrid. And okay, the surprise lily, pink, the then. botanical name's Lycoris, L-Y-C-O-R-I-S, if you want to look it up. Surprise lily just means you get the foliage in the spring, foliage dies when it gets hot, and then in August, the flower stalk comes shooting up and then produces these trumpet-shaped pink flowers. Correct. Okay, good. They're called what now? Lycoris. Surprise lily? Yeah, or surprise lily. Lycoris is the botanical name. Lycoris. Okay, thank you very much, sir. Yeah. And anybody else questions, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Just remember, 
When you're cutting your grass, it's still very, very hot. Stop cutting your grass too short because you cause major problems. You, maybe you think, well, if I cut it short, then I want to cut it as often. No, that's wrong. What you want to do is you want the grass blades, regardless of the type of grass, to be at least three and a half inches long. What that does is shade the crown. The crown is the intersection of the grass blade and the root system. By shading that, you prevent some of the problematic things that happen with scalping it too short. If you scalp it too short, it's just an invitation for weeds to get in there and cause real, real, real problems. So don't cut your grass short. The other day, I, I almost, <laughs> I walk a lot. And I walk down to Snooks and I walk, you know, it's only about three miles round trip. But anyway, somebody was cutting the grass and it was way, way too short. I almost stopped and stuck my nose into their business and said, you shouldn't be cutting your grass this short because you're going to have problems as a result of it. So consequently, I did not. And we'll see what happens with their yard. Neil lives in Crystal City. Hi, Neil. Good morning. Uh, I have a couple questions about my Rose of Sharon. Uh, it's, it's, it's really pretty bloom right now, but it's laying over more like knockout roses than Rose of Sharon. And, uh, then the, then the other one is like at the end of the season, uh, how do you, do you recommend trimming Rose of Sharon back a little bit or anything like that? Yeah, basically the Rose of Sharon, if it's elongated enough and this, this is a really a bad year for Rose of Sharon, first of all. There's a house about four houses down from me that has this great hedge of Rosa Sharon. But this year, the foliage is really thin and really small. It's flowering fine. But what they need to do, and this is probably the best thing to you, when it finishes flowering, cut about half of it back. Cut half of it off. And then you can do that. And then it'll just, since it flowers on new wood, so in other words, new growth of next year, then you should be fine. But if it's willowy, then, you know, it's just, is it in shade, first of all? Uh, partial. Yeah, yeah, so that's probably part of the problem. But cutting it back will certainly help it from getting so elongated that it kind of weeps over. Okay. Because it's like in the shadow of the house as the sun moves. Right, exactly. So they want to be in full sun all day long, every day, That's but that's the ideal circumstance. It doesn't have to be that way. The ones I'm talking about down the street from me, they're in pretty deep shade, but still they do get some sun. But boy, this year has been rough on Rosa Sharon's throughout the entire region. Through elongation, like you're talking about, undersized foliage, and some of them are not even flowering as much as they historically have. Okay, I think these, these are far the best that they ever have. And like I said the colors are beautiful. Right. They're laying over. Right. So, in other words, the stems have gotten too long. That's why I want you to cut them halfway back after they finish flowering. Okay. Will do. Right. And don't over-fertilize. Mike uh, Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, here's Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. If you were listening earlier, the lady was calling and she asked about dividing her surprise lilies. And I told her I probably wouldn't do that because you can't really divide them per se because they are bulbs. They're a single bulb that produces the foliage, you know, consequently than the flowers. But this time of year is a perfect time to divide other perennials that have already bloomed, whether it be things, you know, in your woodland garden 
You know, like even hosta, you could do it this time of year. Just because a hosta are so tough, I would probably leave them because the foliage still probably looks pretty good on your hosta. But all your spring flowering things, your columbines, yes, you can divide them. You can divide all kinds of different things. Don't divide asters. Don't divide mums. Don't divide anything that hasn't bloomed yet, like toad flax. You don't want to do that right now. But your daylilies, you can dig those up and chop them up and divide them. So it's just it's a good time of year to start doing that. If you want to divide some of your plants, either to share, to give away, or just because you're bored and you want to go out and just divide a few things. So that's your option. Mark lives in Hillsboro. Mark, how are you? Hey, Mike. Um, I got a couple of questions. One about my lawn. I had a, um, I got a large, about probably three acre lawn that was um, used to be mostly zoysia. Then we had a die off a couple of years back, and now we've got a lot of um, knotweed, and I'm getting some uh, uh, crabgrass. And I'm wondering, does um, something with 2,4-D kill that? Or um, I well, also have some millennial ultra or something like that that a landscaper left behind. Probably, you know, if we're talking about nutgrass, you got to get sedge ender. That's what's going to kill. No, no, that. I'm talking about I'm talking about knotweed. Oh, not like weed. A, so any yes. kind of broadleaf weed killer should take care of that. Okay. You know, and and it, I would just, I would use not consistently the same one. I would, con, you know, change products. So in other words, have a small amount, give an application, then give another application of a different one. And crabgrass, the best prevention of that post, you know, control is kind of iffy at best. But next year when the forsythias in bloom, put a, you know, a pre-emergent down. And kill it as the seeds germinate. Because of crabgrass and foxtail and all those annual weedy grasses, they're exploding with flowers right now. Consequently, they're dropping seeds everywhere. So you may kill the existing mother plants now, but there's probably already a whole bunch of seeds that have been dropped. That's why I'm saying use a pre-emergent next spring when the forsythia is in bloom. Okay. And then I have another question. I have a couple big oaks and, and maples, and I'm noticing a a bunch of black ants crawling up them. Is there anything I should spray on those? No. I would say it's not problematic. I mean, the trees could be oozing. They could be going after the sap or anything else. But, uh, I mean, we can't control it, the environment like it's some sort of sterile place. So okay. I wouldn't I worry know about if that it. Was killing, if there was, you know, there were some type of carpenter ants or, or what the heck they were. Well, but. if they're carpenter ants or boars or anything like that, you're going to see something called frass, F-R-A-S-S, at, on the ground. That looks like sawdust. That indicates okay. that you're having problems, you know, from something getting into the heartwood of the tree. If you don't see okay. that, then I wouldn't worry. Okay, thanks a lot for your help. Sure, and thank you. Bye. Questions, folks, if you have any, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Garden centers may not have them yet, but they're going to be having them real soon. What is that? Well, it's spring flowering bulbs. You can go and pick out your tulips and your daffodils and your crocus, any of the spring flowering bulbs you want, but don't plant them yet. You're going to wait until October. So also, if you want to help an organization called Brightside St. Louis, they sell spring bulbs every fall. So you can go to brightsidestl.org and check it out because they have all kinds of different bulbs that they sell. So that's a nice thing, too. So. If you want to get the best selection, maybe your garden center doesn't have the bulbs yet, but they're going to be getting them soon. Probably right now they're going to have uh, maybe iris tubers. So in other words, tubers meaning like iris bulbs. 
Now, this is not this is the classy flags as far as iris goes. But slowly but surely, you're going to see a buildup of different kinds of spring flowering bulbs and spring flowering plant materials. So let's go now to Connie, and Connie lives in Fairview Heights. Hi, Connie. Good morning, Mike. Hi. My question this morning is about Asiatic lilies. Um, I'm, I'm a little confused about what to do because I always see them for sale in the stores in the spring. Right. But what I want to do is dig them up now because they're starting to die back and I know where they are. I can find them. But my question is, I want to share some with my sister in Michigan. So do I dig them up now and store them myself, like in the basement, like I would a canna and send them to her in the spring for planting? Or can I dig them up now, give them to her now and have her plant them now in Michigan? She could do it now. Okay, great. I mean, you can dig them up now. You know, just make sure the bulb is in good shape and everything else. Cut the flower stalk off of it. Let, you know, because like you said, they're all, you know, the stalks are all dying off on them. So you can dig them now. I don't know. I'm not exactly sure why they're sold at that time of year because they don't necessarily have to be because this is a good time of year to dig and divide. You know, you're not dividing the bulb per se. You're just, let's say you got a clump of Asiatic lilies together. And for folks that don't know what the Asiatic lilies are, they're the ones with the single stalks with the leaves that come out off the stalks. And then they have trumpet-shaped flowers at the top. So it's not daylilies. This is an Asiatic lily, which is a bulb-type lily as opposed to a tuberous root type. So, and just uh, when you're packing them to send them, wrap them up in paper you know, don't wrap them up, you know, in anything kind of plastic at all and just put them in a cardboard box. Great. Thank you, Mike. Yep. And thanks, Connie. And now let's go to Sandra. And Sandra lives in St. Louis. Hi, Sandra. Good morning. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Uh, I've been taking pictures all over St. Louis of these beautiful, uh, it's like a bush, but they have like snow cone looking flowers look like hydrangeas or something like that uh some of them are like green or in some is kind of white and i really would love to plant some but i don't know the name of them and i don't know what season to plant it in basically if they have them in the garden center this is just a variety of hydrangeas there's all kinds of hydrangea types there's ones mm-hmm. that will bloom through the entire summertime. There's like the PG variety that blooms in the spring only. There's the oak leaf hydrangea. But what you're looking at is the hydrangeas. So just go to your okay. favorite garden set. And the ones that are green, they've basically already finished flowering. That's so, what I thought. But, but there are some But there are some that are continuous bloomers through the spring. So they'll finish, the buds will you know, finish off, and then they'll put out some new buds. Okay, so I can buy them now and they will bloom for next year? Exactly. Can I plant it now? Okay, yeah, probably any, anybody that's buying anything, and probably at the garden center they may have flowers on them, but flowering really stresses plant material. So what I would do is probably, even though it's painful, go ahead and just cut the hydrangea flowers off, maybe bring them inside, put them in a vase, but get rid of them because that's going to help the plant get established for next year. Okay, and some of them are bushes and some of them are like small trees or something? Well, the tree is kind of a fake tree. So oh. a fake tree just means it actually is a hydrangea shrub that was pruned in the production nurseries with a single stalk with a bush at the top. So there's not technically a hydrangea tree per se. Okay, is there any type of dirt I need to use when I plant it? Well-drained soil. It's got to have that. 
and, you know, adding some organic matter and just make sure that the top 20% of the root ball is above the surrounding ground. So if there's any settling, there won't be any depression around the shrub because they do not want to be soaking wet. And if it rains a lot, you know, you got a depression around anything, if water settles there, that's it. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Sure. Thanks, Sandra. And now let's go to St. Paul, Missouri, or is that St. Paul, Minnesota? Sarah, how are you today? Doing well. How are you? Very good. I have a question about boring old boxwood. Um, So we bought a house. It has a very large landscaped area in the front, and unfortunately, since I don't like boxwood very much, uh, it's unfortunate for me, but uh, it's got a lot of boxwood. And they're quite overgrown. They need to be trimmed back. They're running together. They at one time had been, you know, trimmed into nice little uh, spheres, I think, but they're all grown together. So I guess I have two questions. One is how severely can I cut them back and, and expect them to, you know, to, to still do okay? And then two, if I were going to take them out altogether, when is the best time, and how hard is that if they're big? Uh, let me get your address first so I can contact the Boxwood Society so they can come over. <laughs> no. <laughs> they want to get people that don't like Boxwood. No. In <laughs> essence, you can, since you don't like them anyway, cut them back as much as you want to and see what happens. But usually when you cut them back, if you look in the in- interior of the Boxwood, you're going to see only foliage on probably – let's say 20% of the exterior of the twigs. The inside is totally bare and nothing. So consequently, those buds that are down in there have probably been dysfunctional for a long time since yours are overgrown or you know big-sized. So I would cut them back if you want to, but what I would probably do, since you don't like them anyway, I would just go ahead and dig them out. And if they're big, they're going to be difficult. Okay. Yeah, that's what I was afraid of. So they've got a pretty decent root system. Yeah, and it's not horrible. Any broadleaf evergreen, you know, it doesn't have a massive root system like some of the other, let's say, deciduous type shrubs. But still, just make sure that use a spade. Don't use a shovel. Spade is one that has a square bottom. Make sure it's sharp and just go out there and come out about three or four or five inches all the way around where all the stems are coming up out of the ground and drive the spade into the ground and just as you work your way around, pry a little bit and you could probably pop them up like kind of a cork. Okay, fantastic. And then Thank you, you so much. Yep, good luck with that, yeah. And I'm yeah. really sorry that you don't like boxwood. Well, you know what? Most of I love the look of them. I don't like the maintenance on them. And right. I don't like the smell. They smell like cat urine. <laughs> what? No, they don't smell like cat urine. The the feral cats in your neighborhood are peeing on them. They love to pee on boxwood. I'm I'm way out in the country. We don't have we don't have feral cats. I'll bet you do. (laughs) (laughs) Boxwood don't smell like cat urine. So thanks. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks, Sarah. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with your host, Mike Miller, on KMOX. Yes, folks, questions, concerns, or comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Haven't been to Afton yet today, so why don't we go there and what's going on, Ruby? Uh, yes, uh, I have a, a Tina crab apple. About, oh, I don't know, 10 to 15 years ago, you came out and gave me a walk and talk. Mm. And so you suggested 
I plant this Tina crab apple, which I like very much. But it is um, for the last year. It has been uh, different branches have been dying, so I think I need to cut it down and put something else there. And I would like uh, a small tree, something that doesn't get more than six or seven feet tall. Do you have any suggestions? There's very few trees that are going to stay six to seven feet. You're probably looking at a type of Japanese maple. So in other words, Acer palmatum dissectum. So that's the one that looks like an umbrella. So whatever height the trunk is right now, it will never get any taller than this. It will get wider. Mm-hmm. that's probably would be the only thing I could think of that's going to stay under six feet. Okay. Um, well, I've had to trim it back, you know, a lot. And uh, so now that I'm getting older, I wanted something that I didn't have to do too much maintenance on. Right. So basically don't put this too close to sidewalks or anything else because it will get wider. It just won't get any taller. Okay. And what uh, can you spell that? Yeah, let's say it's uh, A-C-E-R. Okay. And Japonica, J-A-P-O-N-I-C-A. Okay. And then Dissectum, D-I-S-S-E-C-T-U-M. Oh, okay. Very good. So it's a Japanese maple, but it's an umbrella type. So there are other types of or varieties of Japanese maples which will get taller. Okay. All right. Well, I actually have one now that it's not, it may be five foot tall, but like you say, it, it's pretty wide. It might be six feet wide. Right. Yeah. It's beautiful. Um, but, um, well, you have a wonderful day. Well, you do the same thing. And I'm glad you got 15 years out of your crab apple. So thanks, Ruby. And Danny in Donaldson, Illinois. Hi, Danny. Hello there, Mike. Hi. Uh, I am trying to find out if I can um, do this. My parents have some irises that are along the east side of their house. That uh, they've been there forever. I've seen pictures from back in the fifties with Whoa. them blooming already. So they they're hardy enough, I guess. But what I'm wanting to do is find out if I can transplant a few of them this fall to another location and get them going. Certainly can. This is the ideal time to do that. So they finished flowering. The foliage still may be green, but you don't have to worry about that. So what you want to do is make sure the ones that you're going to transplant have flower stalks from the spring on them because some of the fans, as they get older, so in other words, let's say the cluster of leaves, if they don't have a flower stalk coming up you know, in the springtime, that probably won't flower again for anyone ever. So just mm. realize that. Now, some of the other varieties, you know, some of the old-time varieties – will continue to bloom, but some of the newer purchases and things like that have about 8 to 10 years, and then they seem to really start slowing down as far as the bloom goes. So as long as there's a flower stalk coming up, you could dig that clump up and move them. As of, like, doing it right now, or would you wait till like, September or October? No, you could do it now. Basically, oh, okay. pull it up. You can, you're going to chop the tuber because all these things may be connected together. So chopping okay. the tuber, you know, when you dig it up, but let that heal before you put it back into the ground. So in other words, it'll be kind of sticky, the tuber or slash root. Wait until when you touch that open end that got broken off when you dug it up. 
is you know more or less healed over. Then you can plant it, and you don't have to rush to plant them. You don't have to put them straight into the ground. You can leave them for a month or two until you really want to do the planting. Okay, should I cut the uh, reed back on it then? Yeah, you can cut the foliage. Cut the foliage back to about two to three inches. Okay, because I talked to you a month or so ago about uh, pruning, asking if I could prune that back, and you said to wait till around Labor Day to prune back the foliage on it to yeah. two to three inches. Well, basically, what you can do is just wait till they start discoloring. Mm. So with this year, they may discolor early because of the weather we've had. So that's you know the reason why I would have said that. Okay, well, I appreciate the information, and I'll hit you back up next spring and let you know how it turned out. <laughs> You're going to haunt me. Well, thanks. No. All right, thanks, Mike. <laughs> yep, and uh, let's see what else might be going on. Take a look at your houseplants that you moved from ins- or inside to the outdoors because we're not ready to bring them in yet. You could certainly bring them in, but look at them very, very closely and start controlling any kind of problems that you may have on the foliage of your houseplants, regardless of what they are, whether they're ferns, whether they're palms, whether they're gardenias or anything else. My kaffir lilies, you know, that's the only thing, and I do have some amaryllis. But anyway, the kaffir lily is a thing that I bring in and put out every year. And, you know, the pots are... I'm 69 years old, and a couple of the pots are starting to get a little heavy to be carrying down into the basement. So I guess I'll have to keep doing it, though. I just, I don't know. Maybe I'll hire someone. No. Anyway, so just look at your houseplants really, really carefully. Also, look on the underside of the leaves. That's where some of the problems are that people, even when they spray an insecticide, like insecticidal soap or something along that line, they don't spray the underside of the leaf. And then still, that's the majority of problematic insects are on the underside of the leaf. If you see any small webs or anything, get rid of them. You might have spider mites, so you might have to use a spider, you know, a mite aside. Because insecticides don't kill spider mites. So in other words, they don't kill anything with eight legs. So, you know, just be really, really careful. Get them all cleaned up and before you bring them indoors. So... We do have another hour of the Garden Hotline, so I will. This is Mike Miller, I think. See you after the news. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.